Hyperno Goethe, German-Irish Conversations. Join me, St. Pauli fan and former Dusseldorfer Kieran Murray, in conversation with my guests as we explore the connecting moments of German and Irish life. We delve into the many aspects of arts, language and life across cultures. What do musicians, dancers, artists and writers pick up from both cultures? And how are they inspired and enriched by the other? Hyperno Goethe. German-Irish Conversations is for all listeners who like to go and think beyond borders. This podcast is supported by the Goethe Institute Dublin. My guest today is artist Jared Bourne, and one of his links to Germany and German culture is that he works with the Städelschule in Frankfurt. Jared, you're very welcome. Hi, thank you. Nice so, to be here. So tell us a bit about the Städelschule. Uh, well, the Städelschule is um, an art academy, basically, for fine artists and architects that um, is located in Frankfurt. It's adjacent to the Städel Museum, which is a sort of landmark art museum in the center of Frankfurt on the river. And the school was set up in the early 19th century. I, I, I don't have the, don't remember the exact dates, but um, yeah, the sure. early 19th century by a Mr. Stadel um, for the education of uh, young artists. And, um, and the museum was subsequently set up as a facility for the use of the students so the students could study classical art. In contemporary times, the school is has about 150 students. Most of them, about 110, 120 of them, are in the uh, fine art part of the school. And then there's a separate kind of architecture program, kind of postgraduate architecture program. That's its own thing. Just when yep. you say that, that it's got 150 students, that makes it a very different kind of place then from somewhere like NCAD uh, in Dublin that people might be familiar with. Yeah, and I mean, I'm very familiar with NCAD as, uh, you know, I, I, I went, I studied there myself as an undergraduate many years ago, and um, I have lots of, I've had lots of involvement with NCAD, even in recent years, uh, never in a kind of a formal teaching capacity, but, and I, I have lots of colleagues who are there, so I'm very familiar with the with the structures there. And I mean, of course, the, the, the area of interest very much overlaps uh we're all interested in contemporary art for the most part and um and in you know broader cultural kind of studies that are relevant to contemporary art but ncad yeah much bigger school over a thousand students much more programmatic in its organizational structure and that's generally a kind of a situation that's generally commonplace for the schools in the in ireland and they're quite similar at least historically, to the schools in the UK. And, and historically, that's all quite different to a place like the Städelschule, which comes out of a more European tradition uh, of an art academy and has a lot more autonomy. Increasingly, the schools in Germany have actually, from what I can see, the other big art academies there, like Dusseldorf and Hamburg and uh, Leipzig, big uh, Munich and these big schools are becoming a little bit more, they're kind of conforming for the most part, a little bit more to standardized uh, European kind of educational structures, what might be known uh, to educationalists as the Bologna standards, yeah. the Bologna agreement. And just, um, it's just kind of... Stadel's very different yeah. to that. Just to, um, to imagine that space with um, only 150 students and um, yeah. even not, not all of those actual fine arts students, I presume that that means it's it's a very very difficult place to get into for a student. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to get in. Yeah. Which um it, it is, it's very difficult to get in. It's 
highly competitive. Um, I don't necessarily, bra- you know, brag about that as some sort of badge of honor. In a way, it would be nice if it wasn't such an Olympian ordeal just to get through the doors. I think in some ways it's a bit of a distraction. But uh, but nonetheless, yeah, it's a very well-known school internationally. It's pro- it's debatably the, the, the best-known art school in Germany on an international level. Dusseldorf is historically very mm. famous, but... Uh, but in recent decades, Schädelschule has been very influential on an international level. And, um, and so, yeah, it's lots yeah. of applicants. When it comes to then that, that sense of a place that's very difficult to get into, and um, would you think then, then that students have a sense that they're a kind of an elite group or a kind of they're the avant-garde of German or even of European art making? I think students are not naive, you know. I think students, I mean, it would be disingenuous of me to say that they were all oblivious to that and they were all just purists who were just doing their own thing. I mean, not only is that um, disingenuous, but it's also not very smart. (laughs) So um, I think they are aware that the Städelschule is a very important, uh, has has had a very prominent position and, and therefore that, you know, at some level, puts them at some sort of an advantage. But, but there's enough. But there's enough variety in terms of people's uh, experiences, both within the school and post the school. That I don't think. Uh, I think very few people take anything for granted. I think people recognise that actually to get into the Stradlschule is not the is not the end goal. It's only the beginning of something. And and I, I find them, mm-hmm. you know, very screwed on, very pragmatic. I mean, I'm, they're still relatively new. I've only been there since two thousand and seventeen. How about, how about your colleagues there, Jared? Yeah. I mean, is it a, is it a really interesting cohort of um, artists that you? Yeah, that you get to have I mean, that's colleagues? that's one of the things that I enjoy the most mm-hmm. is that uh, there's a very very international. I mean, the student body is super international. There's probably students from 20 different countries, just at a guess, if not more. And um, and probably less than a third of the student body are actually are German. So it's very, very international. Uh, amongst the faculty, it's also very international. I think there's um, uh, at the t- off the top of my head, there's two. There's three Germans uh, out of a faculty of about eight or nine. Uh, quite a few of the of the other faculty, the non-Germans, are based in Berlin, just because it's Berlin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have Hassan Khan, who's Egyptian. We have uh, Hegu Yang, who's from South Korea. We have um, Willem de Roy, who's uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, Johan Batun is the architecture professor from Norway. You know, it's diverse. Yeah. You know? when, it, when it comes to architecture and being in a place where architecture is so important in the Städelschule itself and maybe uh, in Germany with its kind of big Bauhaus tradition and stuff, is, yeah. that, is that also an interesting place? Is that something that might even inspire some of your work? I mean, definitely Germany is, is has has been... It's been interesting for me to have this kind of more systematic, you know, more routine relationship with with Germany. Uh, I commute there from Dublin uh, to teach. So that means that I'm allowing, accepting this pandemic year. um, You know, I was there fairly routinely and that was a relatively new thing for me even though I knew Germany fairly well. So in that sense, yeah, it all feeds into thinking and, you know, on that kind of very intuitive, artistic kind of level, the things you ruminate on, you know, it was all, it's all in the, in the pot, so to speak, you know, ingredients in the pot and generally, yeah, very interested in it. And also it's, it was, 
new to me to teach in Germany. I'd never studied there. And, and so the system, even though it's familiar, it was still nice to kind of get to know it a bit. And um, I had a previous experience where I'd been a professor for nine years in Copenhagen, which actually is a little bit similar in some ways. Uh, they come out of the same kind of academic roots, uh, the academy in Copenhagen and Städelschule, but it's also different. You know, Städelschule is very international, also very German. It's 90 million people in Germany. Uh, there's something kind of very specific about the academy in Copenhagen that's Danish at the end of the day, or Scandi, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and so they're not they're similar but not the same. Do you think that's you know? a kind of an Irish thing to see Copenhagen and um, and Frankfurt as kind of similar in a way that maybe they wouldn't see it as similar? Uh, yeah, sure it is. <laughs> I mean, I think the cities are very different, um, and I I'm I'm familiar enough with both places now to recognise that. The, the cultures are quite different but at the same time they um yeah relative to ireland um and from you know we'll say commoner if there is such a thing as a commoner garden irish perspective from a kind of mm-hmm. an, a, a typical irish perspective i would say that um yeah we'd often kind of mix these places together kind of not not recognize the differences um, i think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that ireland is very you know i really feel that historically ireland's been you know, very much in the sway of influence, very very Anglo-centric kind of perspective. I mean, a lot of our educational models and structures historically, of course, come from the UK. Yeah. And yeah, that and persists, then, and especially mm-hmm. actually in the visual arts field, actually. Yeah. I mean, when I, was, when I was a student at NCAD in the late 80s and into the 90s, there was a huge number of the faculty in NCAD were people f- coming over from the UK, and 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 I think in the more in the regional schools around the country that was the even bigger percentage. So uh, the art and design sector in Ireland, I think a, a, a lot of that educational, a lot of that, a lot of those structures and kind of um, priorities ha- have kind of come very directly from the UK, as opposed to other international influences mm-hmm. do you know what i mean that could be and, possible and would you say that because of uh, just simply being an english-speaking country that there would also be a, a huge uh, u.s influence or probably u.s art influences everywhere but even more so than other places i think um you know in in i mean i think that um the language thing obviously is um it, i i yeah, I mean, what I can say, I mean, I myself studied in the US. I studied in New York for, for my um, graduate school and I did some fellowships there. And, and New York was uh, a very, I lived there for five or six years to go through all these kind of um, academic, um, uh, you know, courses, etc. And so I'd have to say that New York's very important for me. I'm also aware of the fact that... Um, that it's been a great outlet for for Irish artists and uh, London was as well. I mean, London's an incredibly important place, I think, for the visual arts in Ireland. Uh, and there was some uh, that's been kind of recognised widely. There was important exhibitions devoted to that topic, uh, Irish artists in the UK. And so, so that's its own that's its own narrative, you know. But um, but but the US has also been very important as an outlet, and all that's bound up with language and shared history and, and all of that. And, and certainly what we'll call the continent, you know, from an Irish mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. um, the continent was uh, a little bit more um, alien to us, you know. Uh, There's no diaspora in, in Frankfurt or in Copenhagen. 
Yeah, well, I'm sure there's Irish people everywhere, but this, but it's, but it's, uh, there is some Irish people in Copenhagen that I was aware of. I mean, and I'm sure there are in Frankfurt as well. But, um, but, uh, but they're small communities mm-hmm. that are dispersed. I mean, people go there in a way to, to be part of Danish society or part of German society or whatever. So, they don't. They're yeah. not the place they go to hang out with fellow Irish people. Yeah. Yeah. So would it be fair to say then that you weren't a natural Germanophile and you didn't study German at school and you weren't a big Kraftwerk fan back in the day? Well, I think you're jumping to you're jumping to to kind of questionable assumptions there to say I wasn't a big Kraftwerk fan. <laughs> so were you then? <laughs> no, I, I was. A, of course, I had the the, the the general admiration from for Kraftwerk as that kind of very left field kind of. I mean, I remember their very kind of left field appearances on top of the pops back in the day. <laughs> uh, so in that sense, uh, yeah, but it was a, a generalism rather than, than, yeah, you're right. I didn't have a specific yeah. grounding in German culture. Uh, I think, as I said to you before, when we were chatting, I think one of the things that's quite specific, though, is that um, it's very hard to be involved in the visual arts specifically in Europe and or even actually in the US, even like uh, in, in, it's very hard to be involved in the visual arts either in Europe or in the US and not somehow engage with the history of the visual arts in German Germany, because actually it's really, really central to the history of visual. I would, uh, I mean, there was an article in the Guardian a couple of weeks ago, Jonathan uh, Jones, the, the writer for the Gar- visual art writer for the Guardian, all about basically the, centrality of German art to 20th century contemporary art. And it really is a, a there's a really strong argument f- to say that, that actually in some ways Germany's probably been more influential than the US. Um, um, maybe moving a little bit from, from art just yeah. for the moment. Um, obviously you're, you're commuting to Frankfurt. Do you get to spend much time there? And what's it, what's it like as a city? You know, I'm there, when I'm there, I, I kind of work a lot. Um, I don't have a lot of downtime um, because my family are in Dublin. And so I go there to work. Uh, I have gone on, you know, I do some nice study trips with the students. You know, we were in Cologne last year as part of a trip to Brussels. And that was great. That's wonderful kind of thing that you can do that in Europe that you can't do in Ireland, which is you can take a train to another country, you know. And uh, and that was great. And um, both Cologne and um Brussels and likewise so all that kind of yeah. thing is great and they're kind of more holistic kind of times where mm. you're eating and yeah, drinking yeah. Jared, um, Frank- Frankfurt has a has a reputation like the Frankfurters are, are very serious people but usually when you think of them as very serious people who work long hours and stuff you tend to think of the bankers or, or those people working in that kind of financial yeah. world not so much the artists that you don't have time to stroll along the, the German boulevards and, uh, and we have, work uh, very hard <laughs> you have to trust me on that yeah, we yeah. really hard workers over here no i'll tell you that um uh well there's a very very small art scene in frankfurt i mean and and most of it is a legacy of people who've graduated from the school and have Mm -hmm. stayed in the city that's my understanding of it yeah you don't i don't go to frankfurt for a lot of hanging out i always stay in the same hotel the hotel needs a great little hotel near the river and it's close to the school and basically you know there's a lot of back and forth between the school The, the thing about the thing that you have to bear in mind is that the the school in Frankfurt in normal times is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Okay. And yeah. and that's uh, you know a little bit different, we'll say, to somewhere like NCAD. So and the students are there all hours, and so you end up kind of working very long days mm -hmm. and you know meeting students and doing screenings of films and all the kind of things you do you know um and the city itself is very kind of low-key from our perspective so the focus is really on the school and that's one of the things that makes the school really good and the museum itself so the the school is part of the museum on the river there i remember being there once that's quite an elegant part of frankfurt isn't it that has a real what yeah. we would imagine again as that continental city feel it, it seems like it's a kind of 19th century kind of uh, Hausmann-esque, you know, to quote, you know, the Parisian kind of, it's like the expanded, yeah. so like there's yeah. there's downtown old school uh, Frankfurt, which is on the other side of the river, which is much more medieval. And, or there's Sachsenhausen, which is on the same side of the river as the school, but, but is again, more medieval. And then there's these kind of area around the school, which is like boulevards and, you know, leafy, you know, tree lined streets and squares. And yeah. And it's got this um, porticus part of the Städelschule, which is a kind of a particularly for younger and emerging artists. I mean, is that yeah. a very kind of um, exciting place to be? Do you kind of feed off the energy coming out of that? Like you said, 24 hours, seven days a week. Yeah. I mean, porticus is a, what they call a Kunsthalle, you know, which is like a, a, a kind of a an institution for showing art that's uh, that doesn't collect art, so that distinguishes it, it distinguishes it from a museum. Um, it's Portugal has a very kind of ambitious program for showing the very best of um, cutting edge international contemporary art, and it's very well known on an international level. You know, a lot of people wouldn't know that Portugal is actually. Uh, part of the Städelschule, you know, so it has its own profile on an international level. And so, but it's a, it's an important reference point for the school. You know, sometimes we have kind of quite formal, um, you know, educational kind of we workshops or whatever that are directly related to the program in, in Portugal. Sometimes it's a more indirect kind of set of relationships where we just kind of, you know, we're kind of referencing what's on in the space and talking about it as a group, etc. I have the impression that visual art enjoys a more prominent place in German society than it would in Ireland. Do, do you think that's right? Is that fair? Yeah, that's. I think that's definitely the case. Why, why uh, is I mean, that? Well, it's a, it's a question that artists in Ireland have been asking forever. Is it, is it funding? Is it that simple? <laughs> well, funding is a factor. Funding mm. is a big factor. But you, you can ask, you know, it goes deeper than funding because you can ask yourself, why are the Germans convinced by the arguments to fund contemporary art and in a way that Irish people aren't, yeah. you know? And that's a more profound discussion. I think, like, the really succinct, a couple of really succinct comments on it might be that, I think that the arts in general and visual arts in particular um, took on a very important role in Germany after the Second World War. Uh, they also had an important role before the Second World War, of course, and going back. But I think that there was a sense uh, in the, the, the era after the Second World War that actually, you know, that the Weimar artists, for example, a great, I mean, uh, fantastic artists, even associated with Städelschule in Weimar era, that those people were on the had been on the right side of history, you might say, yeah, and then, yeah. and and there was a so there was a obviously a dimension like that to German culture. So almost, if I'm not stretching it too far, that contemporary yeah. art or kind of modern art as it was then was so hated by the Nazis that yeah. uh, post Second World War it was kind of more celebrated. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean mm -hmm. you only have to look at the 
important um, you have to look at the most important uh, prominent international art exhibition um, documenta which happens in Kassel in Germany every five years it's due to happen again next year in uh, 2022 and Kassel was founded in the 50s and was very much founded as a post-war kind of you know as part of the the moment as part of that moment of of kind of putting um culture and the arts uh, at the center of a new society you know tell me then you, you did have the the opportunity to exhibit in documenta uh, a few yeah. years back what was that like um i've been there once i went to a to a documenta must have been is it every four years it happens every five years so every five years um, then it was the so one 2017 was the last one and then i was involved in the one prior to that Documenta 13, which happened in 2012. So, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, um, I mean, I would say it was a little, uh, even though it was a, I was quite an established and experienced artist when I took part then, um, I wasn't naive. At the same time, I was probably a little bit less um, aware of German culture and the centrality of Documenta. And um, I remember being slightly kind of bowled over by how important the exhibition was to the identity of the city of Castle. Like every time I'd arrive in Castle, because I was preparing for the show for a year or two before, I mean, I had quite an advance notice. Um, so every time I'd arrive in Castle for a site visit or something, um, you know, you'd find yourself jumping in a taxi and the taxi driver like figure out immediately that you're an artist here to take part in the documenta the next year okay, and yeah. want to talk to you yeah, about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was kind of remarkable, yeah. you know. Where, um, where did you exhibit in, in Castle? I exhibited in um, a hotel. Uh, it was actually a fantastic space. Um, I can't remember the name of the hotel. It was in an old hotel, a very old hotel, like built in the 1950s classic post-war German architecture of which Castle has a lot and the hotel had a, a, a derelict ballroom which was basically I used as a space to do a big video installation in it was a fantastic space and you entered kind of from a mezzanine above and you could kind of look down on the whole layout of the of the video installation which was big projections sort of spread asymmetrically around the space, projected onto these freestanding structures. And um, and then you would kind of wind your way around this mezzanine and then downstairs into the installation itself. And then you kind of entered, via, you exited via another door at the side. So um, yeah, fantastic space. Um, so is that is that something that you don't always get that kind of space, a ballroom? Like it doesn't sound like, no, you know, no. if, uh, if you're uh, showing an Emma, that uh, they don't get, they don't have a ballroom to give you. No, they don't. I mean, it's a, it's you know, Documenta is a is a bit of a hybrid exhibition because it's so large in scale. It actually happens. Uh, parts of it happen in the museums in Castle. There's a couple of museums of of dedicated gallery spaces that they take over, mm -hmm. and they're important kind of focus points for the exhibition. But um, but then they there's also the exhibition always spills over into other other sites around the city so uh the exhibit the, so the 2012 document uh, uh had a lot of work in the owl garden which is a, the public park the large park in the city and then had stuff spread out around the the the, the street that where the hotel was there was a whole street of kind of kind of a lot of kind of empty spaces and they were all occupied so so Document is a bit of a hybrid exhibition in that way, whereas somewhere like IMA, for the most part, is a sort of a standard museum gallery space, you know. And 
and and with all the strengths and weaknesses of that as a proposition yeah and maybe um to, to move things just from from German culture for a moment, uh, yeah. When when you're making uh, a piece of work, do you kind of have in your head what kind of space you'd be looking for, and are you kind of thinking of a curator and and what they can offer you in terms of where you can show this? It depends. Sometimes, I mean, it depends. I mean, obviously, if you get commissions, I mean, larger projects, you know, you often rely on a kind of for the for the finances to do, say, a big video project that might cost five figures to make or, mm-hmm. you know, or even six figures if it's very expansive. Obviously, in that situation, you probably begin by um, having a, an institution that you're already going to work with that are going to essentially act as a producer for the project. And they will commission me as the artist to um, to develop a project. And so you're already, you're setting out usually with a specific space kind of a, as a, you know, as a reference or as a context. And and uh, and sometimes, yeah, specific curators or whatever and conversations you're having with them. Um, other times it's, you know, especially with projects that are not quite at that scale, you know, you might just begin the project on your own initiative out of your, out of your own interests and then, you find allies as you go, you know. I was looking up some of your work and you also, uh, in terms of Germany, got to take part in a big exhibition in Munster, which is also yeah. more of a city exhibition that takes place everywhere. You were in the library. Was it the main public library, the kind of headquarters? Yes. Uh, yeah. So there's a, so Munster's also a city. It's I, it's probably a bit smaller than Castle. I don't know the numbers, but uh, Munster's... Um, you know, basically a university town and a city in in um, in uh, Germany. It has a big cathedral and it has a big university, uh, and it's quite elegant, beautiful city centre, and uh, with a wonderful food market um, out at the front of the cathedral. It's kind of amazing. It's all very medieval and wonderful, you know. So they have had a public art exhibition there every 10 years since i think the first one was 1977 i was involved in 2017 which was the i think the fifth iteration of of my math is correct they've all been kind of directed by the same guy believe it or not uh, casper koenig who's kind of this legendary german art museum director and curator and casper is in his late 80s at this point. He's an amazing, amazing, inspirational man. And he, at one point, was also the uh, director of the Städelschule. So uh, so our paths have crossed, you know. But the sculpture project, yeah, once every 10 years, it happens all around the city of Munster. There's a the closest um, Irish comparison to Munster is probably the Eva exhibition that happens every year or two in Limerick, mm-hmm. um, which is similar in spirit in the sense that it's also located all around the city. And uh, so I took part in 2017. And yeah, I showed a video installation that I made that was commissioned to make for the exhibition. And I showed it in the city library. Uh, the city library is a modern building from the late 90s, early noughties, concrete sort of asymmetric architecture structure. Uh, in the centre of Munster on a kind of a weird site. And uh, it has, like all that type of architecture, it has like a kind of a big kind of foundation, hollow foundation kind of basement, you know, a poured concrete, everything. And then, and so this basement has become um, a kind of a youth library and a music library. And then they also, in the corner of the music library, they have um, a weird room made up from the leftovers of the space, which is, which they have acoustically treated to make a, a music rehearsal room, which 
people from the city of Munster could just hire to go in and practice their, you know, their bagpipes or whatever it is they're they're working on. And so I ended up using that room for the installation, which was nice because the installation itself was sort of about, the film was about music and it was actually a radio, it was about radio. It was, I made a kind of a a radio studio basically and, and filmed this scenario in the radio studio. When, when it and comes so, to making something like that, or when it comes to making yeah. perhaps any kind of film, do you have to have a really good knowledge of cameras and directing and editing? Do you have to learn a whole yeah. heap of those? Do you have to be a dramaturg and, and like... Uh, how, yeah, how, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a kind of, yeah, I'm kind of handy, you know what I mean? I kind of... <laughs> I kind of take a go at any of it, you know, but I've been doing it long enough now that I, I, um, I'm kind of reconciled to what I, to how good or bad I am at, at it all. And I just realized this is, this is who I am. So I work with actors to make projects like this. I don't know if they like me or hate me or what, but we kind of get the stuff <laughs> yeah. done. So I work because, with Phelan mm, Drew, for example, oh, who's yeah, well yeah, known. I yeah. work with Phelan mm-hmm. on the, the project for Moonster. And I think I drove him around the band when we were filming. And then afterwards, he um, he loved the project. So, <laughs> so yeah. there you go. I kind of asked because I was doing a Joycean piece uh, and uh, we brought in Barry McGovern to, to yeah. read the Joycean parts. I just kind of assumed that he's the Joycean expert, so he's just going to read. But he came into the studio and sat down and said, so uh, direct me. What do you want me to do? What will I do? Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of thinking, I know how to make radio, but I don't really know how to direct actors. Like that, yeah. that's just not in my skill set. Is that something yeah. that came to you, uh, as you said, handy? You just picked it up and you just directed Phelan and told them what to do. Yeah, I kind of learned on the job. I mean, luckily for me, I mean, I can imagine the situation you've just described with Barry McGovern. And I think I'd be as frozen to the spot as you sound like you were. Yeah. Um, but but luckily with the projects that I'm doing, I usually, because it, I'm working with scripts that I've usually developed I, I i rarely write scripts but i usually kind of div, like adapt them from material that i've been interested in you know and you, often from very strange sources but nonetheless it's material that i've sort of worked on the text itself and i've come to have a way that i need that i an idea about it a way i want it to work and so then so then that's a bit easier because um i'm going to the actor and at least i have an idea do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have something that I want that I want to try and do, and that becomes then working with the actor becomes a way. Our actors become uh, becomes a way of kind of teasing out how that's actually going to work. When it comes to that kind of work, do you are you sometimes making film? Do you sometimes see that there's also still images in it, or do you come from a place where? What am I trying to get at? I suppose people often start off in art with. Um, with fine art pictures yeah. and maybe sculpture yeah. and stuff, uh, yeah. is that well, something that's like d- that. yeah. is that something that's still part of your work? Yeah, I work with photography quite a bit, and uh, and I kind of go back and forth between making kind of um, film, video work, and making photo projects, and and very occasionally I'll make objects, you know, sculptural objects, and. Um, but uh, I mean, originally, you know, when I was left, did the leave insert and went to NCAD, I was drawing pictures and interested in art and interested in doing kind of all that stuff that people are interested in. You know, very I was very middle of the road, mm-hmm. I'd say, uh, in terms of the admissions to NC, NCAD that year. Um, and um, and just things evolved from there. 
you know, and that that was actually, you know, I, I had a great experience as an undergraduate at NCAD uh, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And and I really kind of grew as a, as a person as well as an artist. And so so in that sense, actually, uh, yeah, I can see the value of education. Um you were mentioning that uh, um, in some of your work, you liked uh, uh, the Bertolt Brecht uh, kind of theories and his kind of approach to things. Uh, yeah. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I did, I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I did German at university. And one of those questions around uh, Brechtian theatre was mm -hmm. his theory of theatre and stuff. And at times I kind of felt I never really got it, you know. Um, I enjoyed right. watching watching the plays and, and I could kind of write an essay about the plays, but I wasn't quite sure that I ever really got that. Um, yeah. what, does that what does that kind of stuff mean to you when you're making work? Um, well, I think I, I came across Brecht in the, in the late 90s when I was uh, sort of in graduate school in New York. And um, uh, at the time I started to be, I again had come out of like, um, like a, you know, pictorial, we'll say, tradition, uh, you know, making either drawing pictures or making photographs. And, and I had very little uh, grounding to work with art, to work with actors at that point. And I also, I wasn't particularly like um, motivated by literature per se. I, I'm still not actually. Uh, but so, but nonetheless, despite all those kind of shortcomings in my own interests and limitations, I wanted to work with actors. And so I think I was looking for models and looking for ideas and things that were legible to me and things that I could tie into my own uh, existing interests that, that would create a platform to work with actors. And that's why Brecht kind of was important in that moment. That's why I kind of it spoke to me at that time, you know, it solved some problems for me. And, um, uh, and it also, in a way, like, I think one of the things about Brecht is that it, uh, there's a, you know, there's a type of, it's highly skilled. And, you know, when you look at the acting exercises that he drafted, you realized how, you realize how formal in some ways and, and rigorous uh, his methodologies were, but nonetheless kind of coming as a kind of, lay person from the outside it felt like much looser and much more kind of we'll say collage like and playful and much less kind of weighed down by the by kind of theatrical naturalism which i guess especially coming out of ireland you know the historical theater in ireland has been so dominated by kind of naturalism you know the the kind of abbey school so to speak um that uh, that you know, I when I was in New York, I, that was my idea of what it was to be um, that of what theatre was about, and so Brecht was kind of a real breath of fresh air. And ironically, it was only probably through Brecht that I started to kind of uh, that Beckett came onto my radar, <laughs> um, an Irish man in exile, you know, and showed another side of a you know Irish tradition. You know, so would you would you be a bit of a Beckett fan? Would you? Uh, would you? Yeah, I've made work that, that yeah. references. I've made work that references either directly yeah. uh, certain plays by Beckett, or that um, you know, kind of obliquely is informed by ideas from Beckett. Likewise with Brecht, you know, both of them have been. You know, they end up being not just influences on the work, but reference points within the work. That sounds, you know like, I mean? that sounds like a very kind of Irish story that you went to the US to discover Brecht and Beckett, that it was only yeah. kind of being away from here that you kind of get a different view of things. 
Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is quite Irish, all right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, uh, especially I think in, in, in the visual arts or in the cultural sphere, in the arts in general, I think that, you know, the, the arts have, you know, or certain par- parts of the arts have, have struggled in Ireland, you know, um, and, and I think that, um, uh, I think it's changing in a really positive way. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work to improve the sort of um, the, the the position of the arts within our, within Ireland. And I'm involved in that myself. I'm dedicated to that. I'm on boards and I'm mm-hmm. kind of volunteer for things and I, I advocate and all that. But but I, I, I'm under no illusions about the kind of circumstances that we all came out of, you know, um, you know, in the growing up in the, 70s 80s 90s in ireland you know are there are there irish artists contemporary artists whose work you enjoy at the moment oh absolutely i mean there's loads of there's a whole you know i can pick out the kind of people i've always looked to you Mm -hmm. know the people who are my peers are a little bit older than me you know i mean obviously somebody like willie doherty or you know historically james coleman have been really important artists um for me uh, and they're irish artists and they'd be important to me whether they were irish or not but like Willie's also been wonderfully generous as a as a mentor, you know, um, over time. And now, I, you know, mm. I feel we're peers and, and we enjoy we, jo- we enjoy each other's practices and support and each other, etc. Do you think Willie's yeah. work, maybe I'm going to display my ignorance, but what I know of it, it's it's kind of very influenced by uh, by the North and, and by the Troubles. Is that a, a big yeah. a, a big factor in, in Willie's work that's not necessarily uh, common to all Irish work? No, I mean Willie. Willie kind of carved out a whole space, I think, in, within contemporary art through the work that he he's made in the north, uh, and he's he's kind of, you know, the interesting thing is he's such an insider, you know, he's such a dairy, you know, man, mm-hmm. and at the same time he made work, and I still to this day don't know how he made this work when he made it. He was very young when he started it, but somehow even as somebody who was just a you know, a kind of real on the ground guy from Derry. He made work about Derry that seemed to be so well informed by like international contemporary thinking on a very sophisticated level, like from his early 20s. You know, it's kind of remarkable, you know, what he managed to do. Like Tom Waits um, writing Martha when he was in his early 20s. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, Willie, and when Willie was doing that, I think, you know, nobody else was doing it really you know uh, I mean that's kind of what was amazing about it you know maybe that that's a, a space where we can start to wrap things up a bit but uh, yeah. when it comes to recommendations I suppose do you have um, other recommendations do you have recommendations of any uh, German artists even uh, artists working in film that, that it would be good for people to see my colleagues of course from Städelschule I'm, I'm, I admire their practices also because they have you know, I've come to know them and therefore, you know, have a new dimension to the practice. So Judith Hoff, who's a sculptor, Tobias Rayberger, um, who's also a sculptor, um, Willem de Roy, who I mentioned earlier, Hegel Yang, um, Hassan Khan, incredible artist working across media from sound to installation to uh, a whole load of stuff in between. Uh, Monica Bear. You can add some recommendations to, to the end of the podcast anyway. So that yeah. so we can actually add them as links so that people can see them. We talked we talked um, about food recommendations yeah, the other day when yeah. we were chatting about this, and I was pondering it afterwards. And and uh, as I said, I have you know fairly basic kind of very workmanlike time in Frankfurt, but I would say that that food market in Münster, in front of the cathedral, is pretty wonderful. And food markets in general in Germany, the tradition that's a very European 
pan-European tradition of the food market in the main square twice a week. I mean, that's just hard to beat. Or I'll, uh, another specific place in Frankfurt, actually, is the, the Kleinemarkt, which is essentially an indoor food market in the center of Frankfurt. Um, again, 19th century market, wonderful, wonderful place. Okay, I've actually, I've traveled a lot in Germany and I've lived in Germany and um, Munster uh, is a place that I haven't been to. So um, I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to get to the food market. I take yeah. it I can, I can have a good beer as well to wash down my oh, food there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Just Just to, to wrap up on the last thing, just uh, in terms of if people are interested in seeing your own work, where, where can people go to see your own work? Right now, I actually have a project online. I don't do a lot online. Um, I'm now, because of COVID, I'm having to reconsider that. But uh, historically, I've been very focused on galleries and on the type of uh, exhibition situations we've been discussing. So, But I have a piece online right now on the Curlin Gallery website, a, new, a kind of project I made recently, a quite large project. So if you Google Curlin Gallery, Dublin, uh, they, they have a, a sort of showcase of this project of mine called Beasts. Yeah. project I made in Stockholm um, yeah. uh, in a, a, a now closed um, natural history diorama that was about the Nordic wilderness. Amazing space. Um, and I worked in that on and off for years, actually. So I made a film, and a film video installation, and, uh, and I also made a, a series of photographs um, about this about this diorama, which sort of developed in the late 19th century around the same time as photography was developing. And so there's a weird connection between the two forms, so to speak. OK, I look forward to having a look at that. Thanks very much, uh, Jared. That was great, great to chat to you. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. OK, um, feeling dunk. <laughs> OK, yeah. <Peace> <laughs>